America, Washington, D.C., signing on. When the Santa's We are on the air. It is Thursday, and, and we're in the middle of a brewing red state revolt. You love to see it. You love to see it. Of course, I am the one, the only, the commandante of the Mossy Oak Militia, the man that is making all of the communist intelligence operatives out there real, real mad. Real mad. Hey, and uh, for that one guy who was following me and uh, claims to be a former so-and-so and a such-and-such with your little picture with your shemag and so on and so forth, making you little videos about your trade craft on the left end of things, I think you're a little mad. I think you want some special attention. I've given you... I am giving you fair warning right now, live on the air, fair warning, the only warning you're going to get, the only warning you are going to get, it's going to be like a thief in the night, you want the smoke, you're going to get it, and if you think a little LLC out in Wyoming is going to protect you. On a Proton Mail account, you got another thing coming. Anyway, <clears throat> more important things to talk about than some guy with 14 followers on Patreon claiming he's a former CIA operative threatening real people who retired out of the CIA. Uh, Ron Muller, a good friend of mine, and then coming after me too. I don't fucking think so, buddy. I don't fucking think so. Um because you you teach radio things to Antifa. Yeah, it's out there. It's out there. <clears throat> and we know, believe me. Believe me, we're all over you. We're all over you. I saw your piece. Don't worry about it. Just know we're coming. Know we're coming. You're going to love it. Anyway, <laughs> you're going to love it. Uh, this episode tonight, Red State is in full revolt. We are seeing Red States 26 now by my count. Um, and I would say that uh, it's probably, that number is probably going to go higher uh, soon. And this is creating a very interesting situation. Now, I've got a take on this that... Uh, I don't think that you're going to hear anywhere else. And so now that I got my little 
initial thing out of the way. Um, you'll be hearing more about that later. Uh, so please, to that guy who who I hope since he's he's so keen on studying me and listening to all the podcasts and uh, talking and, and putting up his little thing to his tiny pitiful little audience with his little gorilla uh, whatever book that he put out, bullshit book that's got three reviews and two of them are negative. Um, you know, don't worry. Like I said, don't worry. Don't you worry. Don't worry. Because when I'm done with you, whatever else it is you're going to write, I hope that you keep on. I, I hope that you keep it up. I hope that you keep it up. Because what I already have is, is <laughs> let's, let's just say uh, you, something's coming for you and you ain't going to like it. Um, and, w- and we'll see who does what and who knows what about what. Anyway, <clears throat> like I said, see, I keep getting off track. It's all good. Keep getting off track. Anyway, um, so I get to, to travel all over this country, and I get to get a lot of different points of view, and I kind of hear things that you will never, you generally never see on social media, Um things that you're probably never going to hear in the news and, and really they're singular pieces of the puzzle, but you get to, you know, you, you, you kind of begin to put them all together, right? And you begin to, to kind of figure all this stuff out. Now I have long said that if there is to be a, a quote unquote civil war in the United States, um, former United States, it has to have the galvanization of economic influence on several ends, right? There, there, there has to be a, a polarization and, and it has to do with the economy. So I'm going to lay something out for you here. Uh, in the past, I've talked about how that is going to boil down to the oil companies. When, when you look at it at the macro level, that's going to boil down to the oil companies. Um, they're the ones who who stand the most to lose long term in the United States. They're also the ones who have the, not just the most to gain, but they also are really the future, uh, the real future of the United States. When you look at uh, what is driving the electric car uh, industry, so to speak, it's batteries. And who's, who's manufacturing those batteries? The Chinese or the Chinese manufacturing those, uh, it's Chinese companies, it's Chinese interests. So you have to take that into account. The next thing you have to take into account is that they're going to protect their interests. Now, there's a lot of people out there. I've talked to a lot of people in the oil industry at various levels who've kind of pushed back on that a little bit. Like, well, you know, but they they go along with the ESG stuff and all that. Well, yeah, they, they have. And like every other corporation, they're playing nice because they know what the consequences are. And they're not necessarily, at least up until now, ready to bear those moving forward they they would rather just go along to get along rather than deal with it and hey you know we'll, we'll look nice in front of the cameras and we'll play the game and what have you and then you know when when it's time to move forward we'll move forward okay 
So taking all that into account and the fact that that wars are always fought over economic interests. Okay, you have to understand that they're not fought over social differences. Okay, that's part of it. Yes, that's what drives the will to fight. But it is the economic interest that is at stake when there is dueling economic interests that, that are at odds with one another. That's when the war is going to be fought. So let's look at this from the, the 10,000 foot view level. All right. So you've got oil companies who are now definitely threatened, right? You have a border crisis. The oil companies in the United States, without a doubt, where are they based? Texas. Okay. Texas. Now, you know, U.S. Standard Oil, its progeny, definitely a Northeastern thing, but its operations are all centered in Texas. And Texas is the heart of oil in the United States, right? Their operations are, are across the United States, but they are headquartered primarily in Texas, right? And that's where their money is. That just so happens to be where, you know, the, all the conflict is starting. So a lot of people have pushed back on the fact, and rightfully so, the fact that, that you know, Greg Abbott, WEF member, right, World Economic Forum, this is documented. He's been kind of a milk toast conservative. He's definitely... Uh, rubbed elbows with the bushes as as you kind of have to to get ahead in, in Texas politics. And they were also behind the effort to try to get rid of Attorney General Ken Paxton. Right. So the hopes for uh, Abbott are, are not really high. OK, so we know that these are data points that we're establishing here. All right. Put those together and. You know, these are singular events. And when you look at them singularly, you kind of think, well, well, where did Greg Abbott all of a sudden find his backbone to to fight and, and stand up to the U.S. government? Like he, he just figured this out now. Well, why is it that he just now, right now, this week, why is it that he all of a sudden started having a little gumption for a, a nice southern word there our vernacular a little gumption a little little fire in his belly why is it that he is he's ready uh now to throw the gauntlet down when, when we're you know decades into this thing and a lot of people and rightfully so would say that man this is maybe a little too little too late right well the fight's got to start at some point and and, and I don't know if this is what's going to start the fight, but it's definitely the, the conversation is now being had. All right. I can assure you that the conversation is being had at all, all levels. So where does that leave us? All right. When you're conducting an investigation on something, building a timeline is always critically important. Right? I want to know a timeline of events. I want to know uh, what they are, establish what those are, because that can give you a causal relationship between the actus reus and the mala in se. So the actual act itself and the intent of the action. All right. 
evidence. We look at this from an investigatorial point of view. Well, if you look at the, the, the broad scope of world events economically, what just wrapped up last week? World Economic Forum. Davos. Ooh. You forgot about that one already, didn't you? Or maybe you just didn't put the two together. Davos just wrapped up. And what was one of the big things that they were harping on during Davos? It was the the whole, literally the, the, the primary outline of that entire meeting was, was getting rid of petroleum in general. Getting rid of it, right? We're going to end it. 2030, we're really cementing this into stone. You can't tell me that behind the scenes, the oil companies were looking at that like, well, you know what? We we went along to get along. We played nice with this stuff. We did the whole ESG thing. We know it doesn't work. We we you know we we know the whole thing. We we know it without a doubt. Right? Anybody with any modicum of sanity knows these things don't work. But we went along because, you know, all right, it's it's a flavor of the month. That's how the corporate types look at it. This is the flavor of the month. It's going to come and it's going to go, right? Well, it ain't come and it ain't gone. It's here. It's cemented. And those very same people that pushed that over on them and over on us have said, we're going to put you out of business. Now we are going to put you completely out of business. So the time now is to fight. And so you have to understand that corporate interests drive politics. You may not like that. You you might really enjoy thinking that, you know, well, it's government by the people for the people. Yeah, but who picks the candidates? The donor class picks the candidates. Corporate interests pick the candidates. Now... You can make of that what you will. Like it, don't like it, indifferent, doesn't matter to me. That's the truth. Okay, stone cold fact. And if you don't get donations, generally speaking, at least in the United States, you're probably not going to get elected. Right? That's one of the reasons they don't like Donald Trump was because he didn't really, initially, he didn't really have to play by those rules. Right, and that's where all the campaign finance reform stuff comes in. The McCain-Feingold Act, which essentially created a lot of the problems that we have today with the NGOs that are out of control. So, uh, which is also incidentally enough driven a lot of the churches, which have fostered and fomented the invasion which we see today. It's all part and parcel of it including the American Red Cross, by the way. Uh, so, in a nutshell, my analysis is this. The oil companies have decided it's time. We're pushing back. We don't care. We're pushing back. We're not playing this game anymore. We are being crushed. You're going to try and drive us out of business. We're not going to allow it. And one final thing on that point, something else that I heard through the grapevine, and this came from roughnecks that, that I had in class 
conversations that I overheard in literally the, the heart of oil land in Texas is that one of the biggest oil futures in the world is sitting under Ohio right now and in the Ohio River Valley. And that's going to be the next big boom. So in Texas, everybody knows about the Eagleford, right? The Eagleford is, is huge, but they're already looking ahead, right? Because they operate on a much longer term plan of oil futures. They're looking at the Ohio River Valley. They're looking at Ohio, that entire shelf through there, which is is rich. We, we know that it's, it's very uh, coal rich, but now it's oil rich, LNG rich as well. That's what they're looking into. And when Davos, World Economic Forum, Bilderberg Group, when they're saying, hey, we're, we're going to put you out of business, we're going to do all of this stuff, where, you know, the, the auto manufacturers are going to have all these restrictions placed on them, you're interfering with their money, they're coming after you. That's why you saw Ohio jump on it as fast as they did, because Mike DeWine, Ohio governor, he's kind of a milquetoast conservative too. I mean, this... This is definitely not a guy who um, is is the bastion of conservatism. He's he's been embattled recently himself, right? And and really ticked off a lot of the the conservatives and and you know the working class folks in Ohio. He really ticked them off recently over the abortion bill, and so he didn't just jump into this. Uh, he didn't just pledge support to Texas because. Hey, that you know, this this just seems like a good thing to do, and and I'm with them, I'm aligned with them politically. He got told, hey, you know, all this other political stuff that's going on, we don't really care about that, but you will stand with Texas, and here's why. So it's the economy, okay? It's the economy, it's the oil futures, it's it's that is what this is shaping up to be. And the Biden administration. The White House, the D.C. establishment, which is owned, they are lock stock with the World Economic Forum. They have pledged themselves against that. And that's the economy. Okay, that's the economic piece. So I'm not saying necessarily that that this is going to be the triggering event. All right. I think that personally we are. We're seeing the sides galvanize. Yes, there's there's no question about that. I don't think anybody should question that at this point. Um, but what I will say is that aside from the sides galvanizing, we're we're seeing something foment on on a bigger picture. And I think that that the conversation next is just as I put out on Twitter, um, the Militia Act of 1903, also known as the Dick Act. Uh, I didn't really want to say that on Twitter because it kind of devolves into a Beavis and Butthead level maturity of conversation. But uh, I was named after Charles Dick, who incidentally enough was a, was a senator from Ohio uh, that introduced the act. And we're going to be talking about that tonight, too. But, um, you know, I, I wanted to get that off my chest because... That is that is making sense of the situation. These are not singular events. They are not, um, you know, Abbott didn't just out of nowhere have a change of heart when he's had so many years of, of being a neocon and all of a sudden 
just decided that, you know, hey, this this is going to be our next course of action. And one more little data point that's that's going to um, support this this hypothesis. And this is something that you folks out in California really need to pay attention to. A lot of our shipping that comes from China comes into California ports. Like that, that's not a secret. We all know that uh, Long Beach port is, is a big port of entry. A lot of imported goods coming in, in and out of there every day. Right. But China is looking to shipping everything into Mexico now and then sending everything up from Mexico into the United States and bypass California. And there's, there's some reasons that they're looking at that. One of them is uh, California's over restriction and, and overstep on fossil fueled vehicles. Um, you know, how are the, and it's, it's, I'm not one to praise the Chinese, but they're, they're looking at it from a business perspective. I'm not going to say that they're wrong and say that, you know, Hey, are you going to be a stable trading partner? Because if we, if you introduce these restrictions, how are you going to take our goods and do business economically in the United States? That doesn't really make a lot of sense. So they're looking at it from, we have Mexico and Mexico, Mexico is, is very much aligned with China. They're a stable trading partner. And so we can unload our stuff there and it can go up through Texas, right? So that's another thing that's being looked into. And you can you can just, you know, if, if you don't believe me, check the data, okay? It's all there. And this is a conversation that I promise you is being had with the bean counters saying, hey, you know, who who is a more stable trading partner here? You know, the, the United States and, and California that, that really the government of California, unfortunately, that represents the, the leftward turn in the United States. And, and they're not on an economically stable path, sustainable path or pushing our goods up through Texas across the Mexico border with two, you know, nation states, essentially Mexico. We and you know, we, we could criticize Mexico all we want. Uh, and, and they're not wrong. I'm not saying that that anything is right, but that is a it, it is unfortunate to say that they are a, a better st stable trading partner in terms of longevity than California is. They just are. Like it, it's it's you know look at it for what it is. And despite the problems with the border, we still get goods across that border, and they're going into Texas. So this, this is something that, that is certainly um, brewing and there's going to be some changes. And, uh, you know, at that point, California is already fiscally insolvent. That's going to make them that much worse off. And, and it's also going to make goods more expensive, I think, near term in the United States. Maybe long, long term it might bring it down i really don't know i i'm i'm not in that business so I, I can't say but i would hypothesize that that it, it would lead to some problems uh so you know in and of course it, it also creates a a different power differential there so those are two economic factors right that are, that are um that are coming together that are intersecting these are things that you really need to be paying attention to uh it's pretty concerning stuff but 
that being said, you know, near term, near term analysis of, of what's going on. We're going to be talking about the uh, just the, the broader red state revolt, how the, the sides are galvanizing here. We're going to be talking about the Militia Act of 1903 um, and how that is going to play into the Second Amendment, certainly the Second Amendment, certainly the Tenth Amendment. And there could be some very serious unintended consequences for either side if this is the the path that the Biden administration is going to take and and uh, the Department of Justice is going to take. I think that they will. Uh, I think that they will because they they they're these they're not stupid. All right, they are certainly not stupid. We could not like them all we want. They can be political enemies. They absolutely are. But don't underestimate what they want to do with lawfare. Okay. So, you know, this, 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 I think has some consequences that people just really aren't seeing right now and they need to be ready for. And, and this is going to be the, the shift in the national conversation going forward. Anyway, with that said, joined by a couple of compatriots in here. In the virtual bar room on the air. First on the list, Mr. Madman Actual. What's up, brother? Man. Shit is just out of control these days. <clears throat> um, well, it was a fun Q&A last night. I had fun. It was. I was only on for a few It minutes. was. Um, but yeah, man, it's been busy as shit at work. Trying to, uh, trying to keep up with the times. Kind of hard to do. And every other day, something, something that I didn't think would happen happens like seemingly every week or at least every month. I'll give it every month for sure. So yeah, this Texas thing is like. I don't even know. It's hard to formulate an opinion because it's just such a muddled mess like everything else always is. But Very uh, much so. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I was talking with my wife earlier and I was like, hon, uh, you know, she, she asked me what was going on because she was trying to find, uh, like, in the normie spots on the internet, she was trying to find out what's going on and it's, it's just not there. There's nothing to, to learn. Um, you know, I kind of gave her the rundown and she's like, well, I, I guess, uh, I, I hope our neighbors are like at least somewhat in the mindset for shenanigans. Cause you know, this, I, I doubt the States are, I, we're not going to have like a true repeat of 1860s, but I don't think so. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, I mean, you, you and I have been hammering this for years now. That we've we've got hundreds of thousands of people that don't like this country, in this country. Um, and they're gangsters. They're call them whatever you want. They're not here to be friends. And uh, Azari terrorists. Before shit starts. Yeah, it's just a matter of time before shit starts blowing up and people start getting 
mowed down in the streets and um yeah it's it's just a matter of time it's it's not if it's when and uh it's disappointing i really just wanted to be left alone you know <laughs> didn't we all <laughs> I, I mean seriously like i you know what i you know what i wish i wish we had all met under different circumstances and yeah. we could all just like sit around and drink a couple beers you know like well we can still do that some... <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that's why are we not allowed to drink anymore <laughs> no but just you know like not yeah i don't know I, I wish for I yearn for better times, pal. I'm over. Well, it. they're I'm coming. For, I'm ready to get it over with. They're coming. They're yeah, it's coming. just yeah. I'll let everybody else. I mean, they, there is a solution to all this. I mean, it's it's it, it's definitely. Um, there's going to be casualties, but I think I think whatever comes of this. Um, well, I'm gonna save that. I'm gonna save that. So we we've got yeah, other guys yeah. in here. We'll, uh, we got other guys yeah, in, we'll here get get... in here, and then we can expound. Yeah, expand whatever the word is. Next, next in the hey, shoot. Johnny. Hey, buddy. <laughs> the man, the myth, the wisdom. The, the man, the myth, the wisdom. The man, the myth, the legend behind the tactical wisdom series, Mister Joe Dolio. How are you tonight? Look, the way I heard it was was fight dirty, drink whiskey, all that kind of stuff. So there will fight still be drinking. Dirty. Drink whiskey. <laughs> Fuck the rules. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's well, the rumor. There's there's somebody. So, there's somebody who's who's fixing to find out. But uh that's gonna be that's that's another story for another day. I'll tell you offline more about it. Yeah, I probably it's, missed uh, something while I was taking a nap over the last couple of hours. But uh, we've got our yeah. friend. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't think you missed anything. Uh, but uh, we we've got our mutual friend Ron. Ron was somebody was. We have he and I have a mutual mutual uh, in, target of interest. Somebody uh. was was deciding to to mess around with Ron and. Yeah, I mean, oh no, we don't take too kindly to that. No, OGA Ron's done his time, man. He's paid his dues. You know, he's he's the OG, man. You don't fuck with him. You know, Ron probably knows some people who could make you disappear. You might want to be careful. So, well, so boy, boy was claiming he's he's a CIA guy, and you know, when you you have a when you're putting on YouTube presentations claiming that you got bona fides that you ain't got, and then you you get on your Patreon page so that you can smear other people, and then you're too chicken shit to share something when you're going to throw mud at somebody. You're too chicken shit to actually say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to tag your shit and I'm, I'm going to talk shit about you to your face. You're going to screenshot it and do it so the guy don't ever see it. Boy, that's that's some that's mm, man. Mm, yeah, that's that's, that's a you know, bitch that's movie right there. Here's the thing: there's so many people on the internet claiming to be something they're not. I mean, I'm over here. 
with the, with the most uncool military job ever and just admitting it. Right. And, and everyone else wants to be a super <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't secret squirrel ranger. <laughs> you know, cool. I was a double super secret refrigeration ranger or some craziness like that. Yeah. You just, just, just be yeah. who you are and don't talk trash about others, man. It's uh it's a crazy world. But well, you know what? Homie, homie's an equalizer point. Yeah, I think that if things continue down the kinetic path, things will sort of work themselves out in that regard. <laughs> you put yourself on a target list, you might find yourself handled like a target. So Yeah. Craziness. Yeah, that's, that's uh I did not have this yeah, Texas yeah. thing on my bingo card. Literally came out of nowhere. Um, but we'll see. At this point, it's just been words on paper and a little shuffling of guys back and forth. We'll see what happens when push comes to shove. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think anybody does, man. It, it you know, but I, I want to reiterate to everybody out there. The, the point is not like, all right, Fort Sumter, you know, it's it's happening. No, um, not necessarily. You know, this is the way that I see this is this is a much further, more deliberate escalation of the conversation that's being had. And that is very important. Okay. It, it's for, for everybody that's, that's like, oh, you know, nothing ever happens. It doesn't ever change. Well, if, if that's because you're looking at everything on a on a daily um, perception, right? So I'm looking at everything singularly day by day. And because you don't have everything change in one fell swoop, you think that nothing ever changes, right? But if you look at, you know, 2015, when Trump was coming down the, uh, the, the escalator, you know, in Trump Tower, I didn't think anything of that, right? I didn't think anything of that. I didn't think anything of him. I did think it was pretty funny. Like his, his speech was pretty funny. I didn't think he was a serious candidate. I'm still not necessarily convinced he was a serious candidate the whole time. I, I don't know. Um, but you know, just, I've learned over the years, take everything at face value, but have a long-term view of everything. Right. When you have a long term view of stuff, you say, OK, well, Trump was he he took his a lot of his talking points from Pat Buchanan. Right. Pat Buchanan. And well, that and and the, the labor union platform that, that was in the 1990s, that's where he took a lot of pretty much all of, of his stuff, like the pushback against NAFTA and, you know, the the, the whole thing. Right. And he saw a lot of that. I mean, I, I I think he was genuine about all that. Um, so when you, when you look at it at the the big picture perspective, right, macro level perspective, um, this 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 is you know there, there is something bigger going on. This conversation is now being had of you know hey. We're, we're not going to get fucked around with anymore, but the economics of the situation, because before now, the, you know, nothing substantial is ever going to happen as long as the federal money's not interrupted and funding's not interrupted and this pet project, that pet project. And that's just the way that it goes. Um, 
so looking at it at the 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 main you know the, the big big picture right this is a big shift this is a major shift in how things are done this is not politics as usual are there probably some governors that are like ah, yeah you know we'll, all right we'll stand with texas like all the other republican governors are doing okay maybe uh maybe and and so you know that begs the question of you know federal funding and everything else well now that puts the ball back in the biden administration court to see what they're going to do next and that's where i think the militia act of 1903 is going to be the the legal conversation that's the framework that they're they're going to build their argument around because that is what created the national guard that's what authorized the national guard and it was a uh there's some there's some very serious conflicts between it and the second and tenth amendments, and the it, it wasn't questioned. This is another thing that people don't know. When it when it was passed in 1903, Charles Dick was a political opponent of Teddy Roosevelt. He believed that Teddy Roosevelt was going to take uh, Leonard Wood, who was a general. Um, and raise his own private army again, like he did just a few years before in, in Cuba in, during the Spanish-American War. And he was afraid that Teddy Roosevelt was going to do that and ha essentially have his own uh, dictatorship. So it, it's they they created a system to where each state had a formalized militia, which was became the National Guard. And he authorized federal funding, and they did this whole thing without any kind of questioning of like, ah, man, is, is this exactly legal? You know, is, is this a circumvention of any of the amendments? But it was never brought before the Supreme Court because until Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR, you know, the Supreme Court was kind of this amorphous thing that didn't really um, there. If, if you read Article three of the Constitution, the United States, there's no set number of justices. There's really no uh, established time when they're going to meet. And the power of judicial review did not become a thing until Marbury versus Madison. Right. In, in regulating interstate commerce. So. It, it it's a fundamental question and it is a act that was put into law that was never challenged no one ever challenged this and it created the national guard it created the army reserve and it formalized the united states army as a thing as a permanent thing by the way which which also uh prior to 1860 we had an officer corps but we did not have a a large standing army on the rig we 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 just didn't do that that that's not how the united states operated uh it was not until lincoln and the posse comitatus act that it that changed but we still did not have a a large army so until the militia act of 1903 it that's when things changed and that's when things became more formal and and it was a reactionary measure because Washington, D.C. was terrified of Teddy Roosevelt. If, if there was any uh, one man in American history who could have pulled off such a thing, yeah, it was him.
Uh, he was he was extremely popular. He was you know he he was a fantastic speaker. So much energy behind him, and uh, I mean the man got shot in the middle of a speech and then continued the speech. You know, that's, and, and finished it like an hour later, and then we got treated for for being shot in the chest. Um, that, I mean, that, that's just joke, wild. joke about it. He so, uh, just point been is, shot. Is, is, yeah, literally, he just oh, that guy shot me. Oh man, now I'm gonna just keep talking. You know, and he kept going. Uh, you know, and, and it's it's just fascinating. It's, it's fascinating stuff, and and um. You know, it's we're we're really approaching a time that I think is unprecedented, and that law is going to be that that is the framework by which the Biden administration. What I see, they're going to try and federalize the Texas National Guard first, and then they are going to react against all of these governors. They're going to try and defund them uh, because that's that's how DC operates. This leftist fantasy out there of of they're going to march in there into Austin and they're going to remove the Texas governor by force. And they're going to have a reconstruction. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see that happen. You and what army? What munitions? You sent all your munitions to Ukraine, you fucking dummy. And what happened there? Got blown up. And now you're, you're, you know, Ukraine is pretty much over with. Lloyd Austin's waving a white flag. We don't have any more money for Ukraine. Oh, I mean, come on. This is, this is ridiculous. So you and what munitions? Um, maybe your F-16s and nuclear weapons, right? Isn't that right? Adam Kinzinger? Isn't that right? You're just going to nuke. You're just going to nuke an American city that's filled with mostly leftists anyway, living in homeless camps. Uh, boy. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Anyway, lots lots to talk about tonight. Got a lot of things to talk about tonight. Moving down the list real quick. Johnny Paratrooper. Uh, hey, buddy. I hey. am glad to be back. It's all, it's a week. Me I too. haven't done anything for a week, man. Well, that's not true. Actually, so, you know, not to, not to be a downer on the... I got some more bad news. I am officially out of four millimeter Allen wrenches. I've fucked up every single one I own. What a, what? It's a serious problem to have. Other than that, it's though, I'm drinking millimeter. beers, buddy, hanging out. Hmm? Dude, we all know that 10 millimeter and 5 eighths are the two that disappear. Those are your two wrenches that disappear, they go away. I got boxes full of all the other ones. 10 millimeter though yeah five eights nope can't find them and, and somebody said in the comments harbor freight man yeah dude i go to harbor freight i'll get like eight of them they'll disappear i don't know like the magic elves come and take them i actually bought a socket and i just keep a 10 millimeter on there and so i have to lose yeah. the whole wrench now that's this that's the trick like I actually duct taped it to the wrench. It doesn't work very well, but I I I never lose it. So there's Dude. there's ways to do it. There are I'm ways. I'm saying to they're do good it. ideas. But. I'll I'll lose the whole socket. The whole socket set. I'll lose it. It'll go away. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the freaking underpants gnomes will come and get it, man. They'll take it off. Got to go to work. Work all night. 
Little I heard rough. when you work in aviation, you have to sign out like a socket and then sign it back in to like prove. Well, that's you so you don't it leave in it in the aircraft. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. Is that true though? Is yeah. like you really yeah. have to sign it in and out? Man, yeah. that must take forever to get anything done on a on a bird. Not really. I mean, it, it's I know some aircraft mechanics. Yeah, it's it's one of the things I was like, man, dude, air aircraft engine that's got to be fucking crazy. It was like, nah, everything's huge on it. It's easy. It's like, oh, okay. If you say so, I mean, all <laughs> all the parts are, are easy to get to, and they're huge. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. It's yeah, like, it's I, about I as much fun as throwing. <laughs> yeah, painting. Yeah. You know, painting fences is fun too. You should come paint my fence and see how fun it is. I don't mind. The, um, that's a that's a Huck Finn joke. The uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, so. Somebody in the comments section was asking if you think uh, Lauren Boebert supports the Dick Act. <laughs> yes, very much yes. so. <laughs> very much so. I thought that was she, funny. Uh, yes, she said her hands all is she, over. Is she toast? She her career is toast, right? Yeah, she's done. That's why you you haven't seen her anymore. She's she's done. Yeah, behind the scenes, they're like you know. She had her hey, hey sweetie, it, it's been real. Oh, not even. I mean, not not even. She just, you know, just is what she is, man. I mean, you know, they 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 they. Find I didn't really somebody. think she was that interesting. No. No, I mean, yeah. I didn't think she you know, was original it, at all. So every once in a while, the Republican, I mean, the Democrats do this too. They did it with AOC, you know, and, and others. I mean, there were others, but they, they definitely did this with AOC. She, that's the thing. Lauren Boebert, AOC, same, 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 right? Same, same. They, they go out. They play this everyman thing where they they'll find somebody who is, you know, not politically polished, not groomed from, you know, from an established political donor family or whatever. And, you know, it, it and that's to, to maintain the illusion that you out there, that any of you could possibly, you know, attain some kind of some kind of office. Now, every once in a while, they, they do get somebody genuine. You know, Mark Robinson is is one of those people, um, you know, where he and, and he got noticed because he spoke out against or, or a gun law in North Carolina that is racist. It, it was it was designed from its incest to be racist, like to keep black people from owning weapons. And he's like, hey, you know, we, we got to get rid of this pistol purchase permit thing because it was designed for the sheriffs of North Carolina to keep black people from owning firearms. And then then it got struck down at some I think it was in 19 it was in the 1950s. It was you had to buy a purchase permit for any firearm. Then it, it got knocked down to only handguns when it was challenged. But the whole thing, it was a Jim Crow law. 
it was it was essentially a poll tax to be able to exercise your Second Amendment right, man. And and that's not cool. Uh, so, you know, it, it's it's he spoke out against that. And that's how he got himself into politics. Uh, Mark Robinson, you know, once again, a big fan of his. And um, he he didn't need politics, folks. He's a self-made man. He did not need politics. Politics needed him. The people of North Carolina need him. People of the United States need him. And, and we need a lot more of that. That is a true, I'm going to tell you something about him. He is a true American success story. I mean, he, he came up poor, like, like a lot of people, man, out in Thomasville, you know, Guilford County, Randolph County, Stokes County, Rockingham County. It's, I mean, people are poor. You know, this region of North Carolina, people, people ain't got a lot. And he came from very humble background, made himself, you know, was, was in the army, made himself into a, a successful businessman, built a business. He's just, just an incredible guy. Um, and, uh, uh, Owen, I see you in the comments. Um, will North Carolina back Texas? Absolutely. They will. Um, so today, uh, Mark Robinson, who's our Lieutenant governor, he's running for governor, our Lieutenant governor. He made a statement today saying that, that we absolutely do stand with them. Now our governor, uh, Roy Cooper, we call him King Koopa in North Carolina's Mario brothers reference. Uh, who's a scumbag? He's a political animal. I could talk all night about this guy. Um, just he—he's just a real dirtbag, and and he always has been. By the way, he—he he was a disaster as an attorney general. He is the the benchmark of corruption. I mean, and and you know he comes from a long line of very corrupt governors in North Carolina. I mean, Bev Perdue, who who essentially got run out of office. Um, she didn't get removed from office, but she, she almost did. Uh, Mike Easley before that, who was, was just very, very corrupt. And there used to be a video of him beating up a reporter on the Capitol steps. That was pretty entertaining. And I can't find it anymore, but he, he did it. And it was, it was pretty funny because they ran that in North Carolina. They ran that on the news like nonstop. After that, and it was hilarious, but it, it was because he was getting asked about his his pay for play operation that he had going on, which was very very corrupt. Again, um, but uh, Patriot man, I see you in here, man. New Jersey corners market on political corruption. Yes, uh, New Jersey, New York, and Louisiana. I'd say are the the you know Louisiana is corrupt, synonymous with corruption. Um, and Illinois too. Let, let's not forget Illinois. Um, you know, let, let's, let's give credit where it's due. Illinois is, is very, very corrupt. California, uh, very corrupt. Anyway, uh, California. I mean, yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. It, all corrupt. Yo, New Jersey, New Jersey has the guy that collects gold bars. He don't even bother melting them down. I guess money laundering 101, bro. You get things in precious metals, you melt it down, dude. You melt it down, turn it into something else. But no, anyway, is I digress, man. Y'all are y'all messing with my man. Y'all messing with my man. I like him. That's a Democrat I can get behind right there. He's he's you know, 
Anyway. <laughs> oh, it's good times, man. It is good times. So anyway, we're gonna be talking about the, the uh militia act, nineteen oh three, the dick act. We're gonna be talking about a lot of good stuff. But I would be remiss if I did not introduce our last patron in here. Patriot Man is on the air. What's up? How's it going? How's it going? Are you muted? What are you? Man? Oh, there we go. I, yeah, I, I unmuted the same time you unmuted, so then I just remuted myself. That's what happened. Um, I'm doing good, man. Just got back from the gym. Uh, had a good lift. Um, did some did some legs and, and a little bit of cardio. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for this topic. I saw it uh, pop up when I was at the gym on Podbean, and I was like. I've been looking for, I figured this is what we're going to be talking about this week because it's been an interesting, interesting set of events that have happened, particularly since Abbott's letter. So um, I'm quite excited to, to dive into it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. So, all right, guys. Uh, right off the bat, the Militia Act of 1903, also known as the Charles Dick Act. Let's let's just call it the Charles Dick Act. So I don't just have to keep saying Dick Act, okay? Because it's just... It's, see, you know, um, we're over here trying to have a serious conversation, and I'm cracking myself up. But the, the Charles Dick Act of Ohio, uh, great senator from Ohio, esteemed senator, who I was I was told earlier today online looks uh, bears an uncanny resemblance to Nicolas Cage, and it's true. Uh, it is true. If you look that up, he he looks like it. It's kind of crazy. I have the Wikipedia but, uh, page open, and as soon as you said that, I looked at the picture, and yeah, he does. He does. He 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 bears an uncanny resemblance to him. Um, it's, it's interesting anyway. Um, so this act, right, this created the national guard formalized it, made it a thing, made the army reserve a thing as well. Um, and formalized the, the role in, in the primary organization of the regular army, which would be a formal standing army that we would have that, that had some sort of permanence behind it. And so it created the camps that we had. Uh, that we established all across the United States, uh, which would later become forts. Of course, for the Marine Corps, they, they remained camps. And uh, for what would become the Air Force, uh, the Army Air Corps, which would come a little bit later, they would become bases. And, and uh, you know, the Navy had, had their, their bases as well, right? Uh, naval installations. So um, anyway... All that being said, that's where it goes back to. And here's an important thing. And this is why it's in, it, it, it runs afoul of the Second Amendment. And this is the, the threat that it poses to uh, the Second Amendment. And I think that it's opening a can of worms. If, again, for the sake of argument, if this is the legal fight that the Biden administration chooses uh, the Justice uh, Department under Merrick Garland, which I, I think that they will, uh, just kind of knowing them, and I never underestimated an enemy. Um, I think that this is the route that they're going to go because it will force a judicial review of the Second Amendment and the Tenth Amendment. Here's why. Uh, 
when they decide that they're going to federalize the Texas National Guard, which is going to be the next measure, I think. That, that's what I see on the horizon. That's going to, in turn, create a, a yet another Supreme Court challenge. And they're going to bring up the case of the Militia Act of 1903 because this is what created the National Guard and the authority under which the National Guard functions, operates, is funded, and is trained. Okay? Are you following me? Well, the Second Amendment establishes the right of the militia to exist. This is indisputable. Okay, it is enumerated, it is explicit in the Second Amendment. And the Militia Act of 1903 states very clearly that the organized militia of the states is the National Guard. The unorganized militia is all military-age males from the age of 18 forward who are not in the service of the military. So there's two distinct, very distinct categories that you have here. Unorganized militia, which is everybody not in the military, but of fighting age, right? Says all males, but you know, hey, we got to be inclusive these days, right? Am I right? And then the organized militia, which is what would become the National Guard, which was created as the National Guard. That's what the act says. Okay. Like it, don't like it, indifferent. I don't really care. That's what it says. That's what the law is. Okay. So this is the framework by which they are they are arguing and they are going to be presenting their arguments. So with that said, now this is going to force a review of the and a further determination of what the Second Amendment actually says and where the Militia Act of 1903 is congruent with it or not. And if not, then it has to be thrown out, right? It has to be nullified. That's a very dangerous can of worms to open for the left because they stand to lose a whole lot of leverage over the states when they do that, right? On the right... They could lose a lot too because it could say we could define this is a, the, the leftist dream, by the way, and this is why I think that this is going to be their conversation, because they could say they could make the argument that the Second Amendment only applies to the organized militia. And if that is the case, it do, I don't agree with this, okay, on a, on a personal stance. I want to be very clear. I think everybody knows that in here. I don't agree with that, but this is what they're going to argue because this is what they've been arguing up until now. They want a definition of what the organized militia is stated by the Supreme Court. And what that will in turn do is strip your individual rights to arms. I will say the Second Amendment only applies to the organized militia. And according to the Militia Act of 1903, that is the National Guard. That's what they've been arguing. But it has never went before the Supreme Court. It has never been forced into judicial review. That's why I think that that act is what they are going to go for. I don't like it. I don't wish that it was so. But this is what I see on the horizon. And before anybody says, oh, he, he might be giving them any ideas. 
Yeah, I really don't think any of the decision makers out there are listening to this podcast. I really don't. Um, they've, I think they've already made up their mind. If, if I had to guess, that, that would be my thoughts. Uh, so it, it, it's going to be interesting one way or the other. Now, again, I'm not saying that that's what they're going to argue. I hope and pray that they don't. But with all the anti-gun talk and the fact that the Firearms Policy Coalition has been winning cases left and right and they have been just just running the table on the anti-gunners out there. And this has been one of the long-term things of the Biden administration and all the previous Democrat administrations, too. Let's just be honest. Um, you know, the, the, the late 20th century and into the 21st century, Democrat administrations have, have wanted to disarm us, right? This is what they're going for. Okay. This is what they're going for. This is what they want. And, um, I I think that, that it has potential to come out badly. Um, you know, Amy Coney Barrett voting the way that she did, that doesn't really give me a warm and fuzzy, John Roberts never gives me a warm and fuzzy, um, you know, and, and, you know, we, we can hope and pray all we want. And again, you know, my rights don't come from, from nine people in black robes with too much education. Uh, I don't hang my hat on that. You know, there are some of them that I really like Clarence Thomas. We've got a mountain of respect for him. Samuel Alito, the same. I hold him in extremely high regard. Um, but you know, some of the others, eh, you know, Kavanaugh, he's okay. You know, he drinks beer, <laughs> but you know, yeah. Anyway, guys, what are your takes on that? So the first thing that jumps out to me is if there was a time for this argument to come up, it would be now because the Supreme Court likes to operate on precedent, right? Every once in a while, they overturn precedent, right? Very famous Plessy versus Ferguson, 1896, overturned Brown v. Board of Ed, 54. In the case of the um, of uh, Roe v. Wade, right, decided in 1972, overturned, what, last year or two years ago. So I think with the fact that you had Heller, which basically established an individual right and the fact that you had Bruin, which basically shut down all other gun control laws that'll take a decade and a half to litigate through. I feel like if this argument would have been made, I think Heller was 2007, I think if it was, if it was, if this argument happened before that, I think we're in trouble. I think that with the way that Heller and Bruin have gone, I think I'm I'm less fearful of that worst case scenario just simply because of that, because they can simply go to, okay, let's evaluate this. Because basically what, what Bruin said was, let's evaluate all of the gun laws in the way that the Second Amendment was intended at the time of writing. And at the time of writing... It was intended to be all able-bodied men. So these days, DEI and all that bullshit, able-bodied men and women, whatever. So I think that if they stay true to Bruin and they stay true to basically the, the layup they gave 
to your, you mentioned Firearm Policy Coalition, them, GOA, all these guys who've been winning case after case, they gave him a fucking layup with Bruin. And Bruin was the right decision because that's exactly how strict scrutiny and, and, and the, the founders intended it. So if they interpret this law now with the precedent of Bruin in front of it, now, okay, let's evaluate what the militia meant. Because basically the question is, with the Militia Act of 1903, what did the militia mean? It has to be evaluated at the time that it was written or the time that it existed when the Second Amendment was written. And it was all able on mail. There was no distinction between National Guard and the unorganized militia which is all able-bodied men from 17 to 75 or something like that. So I think that if they go that route, they might think it's a victory. But if this court is consistent, which to your point is a big if, because we thought we had a solid 6-3 court, it's 5-4 at best and 4-5 on our bad days in terms of who's going to rule in a constitutionally respectable way. I think that it doesn't hold up and that the 1903 act is going to have some kind of caveat where if they're evaluating that act in any kind of charge or any kind of interpretation, it's going to be have like a strict scrutiny kind of limitation put on it because Bruin came before. Now Bruin doesn't come before and Heller doesn't come before. I, I, I think the worst case scenario is almost a given because there's not that precedent on the court. So that's just, that's just I mean, I'm not a legal scholar by any sense of the, of the mean, but when hearing you talk about how this is laid out, that would be my initial reading. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a extremely sound take on that. Um, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Guys, other thoughts? I have the completely unhinged take. Shocking. Ooh, I want um, it. I want shocking. <clears throat> I don't give a fuck. Because where where Risky is out at Shot Show, but this is this is the schizo take. <laughs> schizo take, baby. Let's go. I told some coworkers today. They asked me uh, what my opinion on everything was in general and i don't care what this government says because they're not legitimate i don't consider them legitimate they can kiss my ass if they want my guns and they say i'm not part of the militia i'm not kidding when i say this stack up uh as general jackson once said i'm not concerned with when i die uh to paraphrase God's going to ring my dinner bell when he rings my dinner bell. I can't die before that, and that's a fact. I don't care. I, do, I don't care anymore. These people have gone so above and beyond out of their way to fuck us that I don't care. Yeah, and I'm going to agree with that and say that uh, there's that pesky comma that comes in, right? That comma that's there between the part yeah. about the militia and the part about the free people. So um, I'm part of the people, no matter how you look at it. 
Although you could probably make an argument based on prior military service that we're all still part of the uh, organized militia. But uh, I'm part of the people when I'm not, so therefore I have the right to keep and bear arms, and you shall not infringe on it. You might try, but you shall not. Yeah, exactly. And um, But Patriot Man, to your point, you do make valid points. That was my schizo rant. I'm actually a rational, level-headed guy. Um... Yeah, I think this is going to be a huge debate. And what comes of it, I don't know. I think the laws are going to be changed. Overall, I, you know, I was telling my coworkers to caveat on top of what everything that I just said. Um, and I told my wife this earlier, so she kind of like could prepare her little uh, lady brain. Um, the country, I know it's a meme, but I really mean this. The nation that we knew growing up is not going to exist. Um, laws are going to change. The, the style of government might change. I don't know that for a fact, but a lot of laws are going to change. Um, the constitution will be altered. Um, by the, by the end of everything, when I say the end of everything, it might be 10, 15, 20 years from now. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, but it's not going to be the same. We're not going to be the same United States that we have been for 200 some odd years. No, you, you, and that, yeah, that's you, just, that's just is what it is. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, and everybody's reaction is going to be everybody's reaction. So, uh, take that for what you will. No, I mean, I agree in full. I don't give a damn what they say honestly but but it is something to pay attention to i mean um well, it, it's it's all pieces of the larger puzzle i do agree you should be informed yes and also in 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 here's here's kind of the thing too as well right so when you look at the pyramid and and everyone on this call and probably everyone on this podcast knows as much as i do that when you look at the triangle of irregular warfare Right, a lot of it is the sentiment of the people. Right, only the top ten percent of people are ever engaged in actual, in theory, whatever. Everything else is support elements and all that kind of shit. So, when you see something that could potentially be as unpopular as this, and you turn people who would normally be the people who sit on Sunday and say, "I don't give a fuck," the Eagles are on, the Cowboys are on. The Packers are on. When you start to infringe on their ability to do things because of legislation out of Washington, who they already don't give a fuck about, I think that that will be kind of one of those turning points in all of this rhetoric. Because, like, basically we're what we're talking about is, all right, so we have this conflict between the red states and this state, and... There's going to be legal battles over this and that, whatever. I feel like as soon as it starts to affect the average person's life, those opinions who were, you know, on on the fence at best are going to change a certain way. And so I think that's another thing that, that hasn't been factored in to either side because it could go either way. So I'm not saying that that's exclusively a right or a left thing, but the way it's going to be framed in the public opinion sphere is going to dictate a lot. I don't think it will dictate how the 
Supreme Court rules, though I won't say that with certainty, but it'll change how it's interpreted and how if someone goes for or against however the Supreme Court rules, the level of support that has. And I think we hearken back to like the, the, the COVID lockdowns where there was a large majority of people who there were obviously things that were messed up and should never have happened, but were supported by the population. So I think that's a, a factor that we haven't really talked about yet is, okay, so the legal the legalese is this, but how is the public going to react to that? And so I don't know if y'all had thoughts on like, all right, so if they rule this way, they do this, that way they do that. Yeah. What say y'all? I am anybody. I am of no opinion. I think I think we're just going to keep getting more of the same same thing. We really need we really need to start cutting cutting ties and start bringing bringing more of our jobs back, which I think is why we're seeing Trump still still being popular and um the border situation obviously is only helping him and uh i don't know it seems like we're in for another 2015 to 2017 kind of a climate hard to say yeah Any other points on that? Uh, I'll agree with John. I think twenty the twenty seventeen is, is is pretty it's pretty accurate with a flashpoint of of you know not necessarily the same topic but but also just the same fervor coming out. I think that's a good good analogy for for what we potentially. I think too that we need to look at is just this drive towards reducing your ability to be self sufficient. They want you to not be able to farm. They put out an article this week that said that that food grown in your, your backyard garden causes 10 times the, the carbon that if it's grown in a bigger in a bigger farm. That's completely false and untrue. Uh, but they also want to take away your guns. They want you reliant upon the state for literally everything, food, uh, shelter, heating, electricity uh, and security. And the biggest way in which you can resist is not kinetically, it's non-kinetically. It's by refusing to play that game, remaining self-sufficient in every possible area that you can uh, and not give them that power to force you to bend the knee because you're hungry. Amen. I'll give you an example. Yeah. So, so um, I needed some work done on my shed and I could have hired some people to do it and, and it would have been done a lot quicker. I had a bunch of guys when I went to Columbus Council do it and they came over as they could and we ended up finishing it out. And then it went to what? Well, I need my deck replaced. So we ended up doing that. And I need this replaced to do that. Before you know it, it was over a year and a half worth of time. We all, with our collective knowledge, fixed everything we needed and never once had to go out into the economy and and contract any of this out it was all basically a barter system you help me i help you and 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 joe correct me if I'm wrong that's what you're getting at basically is if, if you're able to be self-sufficient and you're able to have those connections and and the thing i think we all harp on is that community is being able to have those 
I know someone who knows someone who can help you and you need this one, I need this. All right, let's do this. Is that kind of what you're getting at in terms of an alternative economy? One hundred percent being self-sufficient in your community, right? In your own little tribe. You need to know those people today. You need to be cultivating those relationships. And let me just give a little bit of a plug for some classes coming up. The greatest way to do that is to go to a brush beater class like the Scout and Recce course is coming up uh, or the RTO course and my field craft class coming up in Montana. Getting to know each other, you'll be surprised at how many like-minded folks live near you uh, and know things that you need to know or know a guy that you need to meet. Uh, this all only works when we get out and see each other face to face. And I know a lot of guys like Gab, when you do that, you expose yourselves to feds. If you're so afraid of feds that you won't leave your house, they've already beaten you. Stop it. Get up, dust yourself off, and get out there. Mike drop. Yeah, 100%, man. 100%. Like, all right, kind of a, a sidebar, but it's a pet peeve of mine. <clears throat> um, Sorry about that. <clears throat> got a little, got a little yeah, thing going on. Anyway, um, <laughs> so Teddy Bear there is, yeah, so talking about physicians. I, I'm, I am getting a strep throat and, and it like manifested as this cold sinus thing too. So I'm getting over it all. Anyway, uh, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine. Like, like I've heard people say that and like, look, okay, I totally get it. Folks, you know, like you're worried about your livelihoods getting wrecked and you want the knowledge, but, you know, you also don't want, you know, Lucifer's hammer bearing down on you. Okay, man, I totally understand that. However, um, one of the things about class is that, you know, at least with me and with Joe, you only volunteer as much information as you want. I'm not sitting there. Everybody that's ever trained with me knows I don't ask you nothing. I don't know most of the people's names that come to class. You know, it's, it's like 25, 30 of y'all and one of me. And and I've had a few TBIs, man. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I remember the names of people that come to class a few times, you know, and I'll try to remember your name during during class and normally i'm pretty good at it by about day three you know but like right off the bat dude i'm sorry you know and and here's the thing people only volunteer as much information with one another as they want to know okay so you know i'm not saying you oh drop your shields no that's not what i'm saying at all but here's the deal man look you're you're probably if 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 you're out there politically involved at all, all right, so what if you're a person of interest? Like, okay, you know, it, it, because that, that is what they call it, right? You become a person, all right, you know, you know what? Yeah, and, and listen, folks, personal thing, like, you know, when I got out of the Army, I was I was very afraid of that. Up until really not that long ago, I was very, very afraid of that. For a lot of reasons but i also wanted to make a change in the world you know you've got to make a positive change in the world you know and 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 so what's the greater risk you know what, what are they going to do 
and and what are they really gonna do and and you have to you have to be willing to stand up and say hey you know what man you know you're you're not gonna keep me down that fear is not gonna keep me down i'm gonna get out there damn it and um you know i and, and i think that you'll find that you'll be in great company by the way once you begin to think about it like that uh i'll be standing there with you i know that i'll be there. i'll be there and and i know a whole lot of other people will and and here's the thing you don't go out and do something stupid i mean i i, I think you know everybody that's listened to me for a long time knows that, that i think uh you know going to protests and and putting on a little show at your protests and stuff like that's dumb man that's not taking effective action all right taking effective action is getting your training taking that back to your communities and saying hey guys like you know hey we're, we're gonna work on some stuff that's effective training that's a that that's being effective all right that that and, and being an asset to your communities you know it, it's, and, it's not going and we to shut that down when people start to act we shut that down when people start to act weird remember back at that one class when dude was walking around trying to identify everybody by voice and i was like hey man it's the Fed yeah. who shows up and wants everybody's name and address, bro. Maybe maybe have a seat and relax for a little Ooh, bit. Oh, I missed that one. Ooh. Oh, oh you were right there because it goes, oh, you sound like Patriot Man. And I was like, hey, man. <laughs> I, I, well, I have 47 people in class telling me that, so I, I probably got lost in, 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 in yeah. translation you're, there. You're, you're kind of just insane. like, hey, bro, chill out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. It, it, I actually kind of, was this October? I, I feel like I remember this. Yeah. Well, and yeah, it was October. Yeah. And, and yeah. some people, they look, they, they mean well. They, you know, when, when you hear all this stuff, believe us. When, when, at least believe me, when I say I'm a normal dude, you know, a lot of people listen to the show, a lot of people read stuff I write. But look, I'm a normal guy. I don't know what, what like, the, all this fame shit is like I'm a normal guy when you, you know a lot of people out there have seen the house i grew up in like you know seen the farm that i grew up you know walking up and down hills and chucking hay bales and breaking horses and like s you know it it, it it it's it's really not that you you all of you out there you're the important people okay y'all are the important people not any one of us like we we can we we're just there to impart a little bit of knowledge what we know as much as of, of what we know and and hope for the best because that's all we can do you know and and in that brief moment in time and give you a vehicle by the way to to which you you can network with one another and and if for nothing else man because I'm gonna tell y'all my my and I'll keep this one short my absolute favorite student that i ever had without a doubt absolute favorite student it's a 63 year old grandmother and uh had her and she was in Yakima, Washington a- class we did out in washington man and I, I think i've told this story on the show before i tell it in class and it's one that really really touches me you know and and uh <clears throat> she she came to class you know, she's sixty-three year old grandmother, man. She's not a hard charging, you know, young stud, you know, gonna you know, hump or ruck up and down mountains and yeah, I'm a badass. Like, you know, man, like like you want those meat eating trigger pullers? Yeah, man. Like like every man strives to be that, yes. 
or, or at least I hope you do. And then, you know, but at the same time, like, does everybody have to be that to be effective? No. And, and she told me as we were about to head up into the mountains, right? Three days, rifle marksmanship, small unit tactics. So we're about to head up into the mountains, sleeping in the dirt. You know, she's obviously not in, in, she's not in peak physical condition. She's a 63 year old grandmother for heaven's sake. She's up there with a rifle that's that her neighbor built and it looked like a garage build. I mean, everything that could have been wrong with this rifle was wrong with it. It wouldn't run. You know, we're trying to do the rifle marksmanship portion, getting out to 100. She's having a hard time, right? So uh, another guy that was in class gives her an AR pistol with a red dot on it. And <clears throat> all of a sudden, you know, it that gun would run as it was properly built. So well put together rifle. I think it, I think it came from uh, Rainier Arms. <clears throat> so you know they they're out in in Washington. You know Mount Rainier and all that. Good company. And uh, anyway, you know she she could shoot and so um, got steel out to distance out to four hundred meters when we were doing our our known distance shooting and, and target detection lane. And so she's shooting. And, you know, 100 meters, bam, hits it. And she's got a red dot. Now, it's a hollow sun. So she's got a like a 10 and a half inch barrel on a, a rifle platform that she'd never shot before, before that day. And 100 meters, bang, 200 meters, bang, 300 meters, bang, 400 meters, bang. She had no confidence in herself. And, and all of a sudden she just nailed every one of those targets. And she looks up at me and she goes, I hit that. Yeah, you hit that. Hit it again. Well, I don't, I don't know if I can. I was like, just do the same thing that you did before. Here's your, you know, I gave you your holdover point for your red dot. Hit it again. Pow, bang. Hit it again. Pow, bang. This grandmother looks at me. She emptied the magazine. She said, should I shoot it again? You shoot it again. Empties the magazine. Never missed once. Never missed once. And she looks up at me from laying in the prone. And she goes, you know, I can teach my granddaughters how to shoot. I said, you can. The same thing that we've done all day. Very basic instruction. You know, you're, you're, you're doing all the shooting. It's just, you know, I, I have a way that, that I teach it and, and it produces results. And um, she said, you know, my, my granddaughters, she only had granddaughters. My granddaughters don't, don't have uh, a father and they don't have a grandfather and I'm it. And I got to teach them how to be strong in this world. And marksmanship is one of them. You know, that, that's one of those skills that, that they need to have. And it was, that was so that was so important to me. That was so like that, that right there. I've, I've taught hundreds of people, maybe up into the thousands now, how to shoot over the years. But that, that one lady, that one right there, I've had others that, that have been great. I've had, a, I've had a lot of great trigger pullers in class. But that one lady, that is that is my without a doubt, that is my success story of them all. That 
that she had that confidence. Now, you know, everything else, the, the, the other physical portions of class of, of the scout course, walking down, up and down those hills, you know, doing the ambush lanes and, and conducting the raids, all that stuff like that wasn't for her, man. She, she, that was, that was past her. You know, she, she's not there anymore. She knew that. And that was okay. You know, that was okay. And I talked to her about it and she's like, why? Well, I just don't want anybody to think bad about me. I said, believe me, nobody thinks bad. What you were able to do on the first day with the marksmanship, that was so special to me. That was so important to me. And, and the fact that, that, you know, you have those skills now, that's so incredible. And, um, you know, it, it's, it, it was, it was really something. And, um, that, that, you know, that's my greatest success story by far, uh, by far. And, and again, I, I've had others that, that have been really incredible. I've had other people in class that I just admire and, and, you know, for overcoming, you know, one of them, uh, anti pattern on, on, uh, Twitter, he, he shared a story about that. Solid. And, and, you know, yep. he's, he's, yeah, man. He's a guy who is is such an incredible man and so razor sharp and just such he's such an asset to any community that he finds himself in. And so if you're not following him on Twitter, you damn sure ought to be. But you, because he's he's so so full of knowledge, like you, you just have no idea. I mean, the, the man's an absolute genius, and I knew that from talking to him in in the first couple minutes of being around him. It's just like, ah, this, this guy right here, he, he's got a 200 plus IQ. I mean, he's, he's, he's just, he's brilliant, but you know, he, he's a guy who was a power lifter back in the day and kind of had, had let himself slip a little bit. And, you know, and, and, and I felt that because he had a bunch of physical injuries, right? Bunch of injuries, you know, rebuilt joints, uh, a lot of surgeries, and, and it's easy to slide into, especially if you work behind a desk a lot, it's easy to slide into that. Well, you know, like it's how physical do I need to be? You know, I'm kind of hurting a whole lot and, um, you know, and, and, and I'm just going to let it slide a little bit. And, uh, and, and so when he's in class, great shooter, great shooter. Did, you know, the ambush lanes, he's, man, the, the guy's all over it. I mean, he's just red hot. And and that last day of the scout course is a real ball smoker, right? It is, that that is rough when you are, you're going up and down those hills. That's, that's rough. And, you know, he, he hit his limit and, um, which was, it was fine. We, we worked through it and, uh, we slowed down, but every man has got to know his limit. And I'm going to tell you something, him taking that when he hit his limit and he knew where it was, he told me, he looked me in the eyes and he said, when I come back here, I'm going to be in shape. And, you know, and, and I take, a, I take every man at his word, you know, and, and damn, if he did not, he has not been posting pictures up of, and I'm telling you the man that he, he, put photographs up of just these over this past month is not the same guy that was at my place in October. That dude, that's that, that guy was mean then. 
he's not somebody I would try, honestly. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I really don't like fighting people. I mean, I was a wrestler, and you know, and and, and I've, I've been in I've been in some fights. It's not something I like doing. That dude, I mean, he's bouncer sized. I mean, he's 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 huge. But you look at him now, and you're like, holy shit, that dude. He's I mean, he's he's cut. He's got the he, you know he's he's got all he's got the muscle mass, but he's also ripped. And he's like, I'm coming back, and I'm gonna crush that course. And you know, do you need op four? And I was like, hell yeah, I need op four. I always need op four, always. You know, the opposing force. So I'm so excited. I, I, it, it's just you, like, you and me both. He, he looks like an animal, man. Those pictures he's been posting. Yeah. He looks like a fucking animal. I'm so excited. I've never met him, so well, I think I met him once. But yeah, I, I yeah, guarantee yeah, I'm not gonna recognize him at all. That's I'm not gonna recognize him thing. at all. That's the whole. That's one of those intangible things that you get out of coming to a class. Is you see where your limits are, man. You see where you're getting pushed, you know. And and okay, this this is you know it, it's I, I know now where my limit is, and I know what I need to work towards. And you know it, it's it's for the guys out there who are who are just you know well I don't know and then, look I'm telling you. There's, I've said this, I've said this over and over again. I'm gonna say it again. That there has never been a better time in American history, where there's been so many people in the in the firearms training world who have real world combat experience, great knowledge base, and they're willing to share it with you. And I mean, you know, I'm just a, a, a drop in the bucket. There are so many incredible guys out there that are just teaching just just great, great stuff, man. And take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. There, there's so many people out there. Take advantage of it. And, and um, you know, anyway. Look, if, if you guys are scared of taking training, right? I've shared this before. I'll share it very briefly right now. I never take a train in my life. This was February of 2018, and I decide that my dumbass is going to, what I thought was my dumbass was going to do, was drive roughly 500 miles south to this dude's place I never met. Not, not met the dude, don't know where it's at, has a going GPS. Man, I'm 28 years old at this point, and my mom is still asking for, like, I need a contact phone number for you because you're going to bumfuck wherever, and I don't know where you're going. And I'm nervous. I've never done any training in my life. No firearm training, no radio training, no nothing. I'm heading down to an RTO course, whatever the fuck that means. And I get down there, and that was May of 2018. Take the course. Got over all my fears of me thinking like, all oh, the guys at this course are going to be this cool guy dude or this guy. No, it was just average dudes. So I come back in August of that year, August 2018, do the advanced RTO. That's cool. And basically from that is when I joined AP and the rest is history. And it was first off taking that leap of faith of this is something I've never done before. And I, I don't know what to expect. You won't find a more supportive community than what you have in this podcast, on these websites, 
and in this training community. You won't. I would challenge anyone to find someone who trains people who has a more supportive community than what we have right here with Scout. So that's part one. Part two, you might think I'm not good enough. You might think there's no way I can't run this. We've had a one-eyed dentist run this course. We've had a new husband and wife combo who've never picked up a rifle in their life and were making hits at 300, shooting off each other's shoulders after about six hours of instruction. We've had people who are average people like me who work a desk job, who don't do this shit on, on the daily, come out and go training. And it all works because there's no one in this course or any of these courses who if you fuck up or you fail, they're going to be like, why the fuck am I in with this dude? Now, they're just going to fucking be like, nah, bro, you got this. Like, think about this. Think about that. Let's go, bro. Let's get it. This is the community that if you're looking for training and it's your first time, this is the way to do it. Because of the culture that Scout has instilled in his former students and the people who come out to help him, whether it's op four, whether it's whatever. This is the time. If you're so apprehensive about training, this is now the place you want to take your first course, whether that's a firearm course, like the scout course, whether it's a radio course like RTO. I'm telling you from someone who took a leap of faith and drove my busted ass fucking car down here in the middle of nowhere and had the shame of asking my 20, I was 20 years old asking scout, do you have an emergency contact number for my mom? Cause I did that because my mom was like, you're going to go down there. You're going to hear banjos. You're going to die. And so <laughs> oh, no. I swear to God, if I, I'm, I'm, if I'm lying, oh, I'm dying. Man. So taking that experience from some dude from fucking suburban New Jersey, if you are scared or nervous or, just you want training, but you don't know how to go about doing it. Take the fucking leap and just do it because you're going to end up in this community of guys and women who just, we have one goal and it's what we talk about all the time, what we work towards. So I just implore you guys to just keep that in the back of your mind. Come get training and also just hang out with us. Cause after class is a, it's a grand old time. No, I'll get off my soapbox, but I, I just, I don't want people to be scared of training because I was, and looking back, I was stupid for being scared of training. Just find the right community and do it. Let me also, and I yield the rest of my time back to the gentleman from Michigan. I would also <laughs> add this, uh, given the story of anti-pattern and then I shared my own, uh, right after he did, cause his was fantastic. Yeah. Um, if you're not physically in the best shape of your life, don't sweat it. You will find a no judgment uh, thing here because, you know, I can I can ruck for 13, 14 miles on the flat ground I have here in Michigan, but but I was warned by NC Scout. Listen, man, my property's up hills in every direction. I was like, oh come on, it can't be that bad. Oh, it's that bad. Uh, so don't worry about it. No one is perfect on those hills, right? You're not going to find any guy who's running a marathon up and down those hills. And it's important to know what you realistically can and cannot do. Uh, so come out anyway. 
and, and do it. And every time I come out there, I improve a little bit more, done some training in between. And it gives you a reason to motivate you to get in better shape. Come to the class. There, it's judgment-free. No one's going to say, oh, look at this dude trying to get up down these hills. Um, nah. Look, it's tough on all of us. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I do squats I, every I day. Down. And my legs were dying when I did my last <laughs> yeah. course. I looked at I looked at Scout, and I was like, dude, that Range Hill's no joke. And he's like, yeah, I fucking told you, dummy. He's like, take the four by four. See what I'm saying? That stupid hill coming up from the, from the tobacco you. barns looks nice and gentle. That bad boy sucked. Nah. Oh, nah. All nice smoker. Look. <clears throat> look, man. You know, if if you look up Barry Sanders, right? Legend. Barry Sanders, absolute legend, right? Detroit Lions franchise player. Um, Barry Sanders, when he was in high school, I think he might have been middle school, uh, but definitely when he was in high school, there was a hill that he would run up, and it's fenced off now, right? I've seen pictures of it. There was this hill that he would run up, and and that was really just the, the bulk of, of how he trained was sprinting up this hill, and he would walk back down it, and he would just do sprints until he could not run anymore. And that was how, I mean, he dude, dude's a legend. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame running back. Um, but that was how he trained himself. And, you know, that that hill going down to the range, you know, that's that's a whole lot like that hill, man. It's steep. It's like a 30% grade. I mean, the elevation at my place is not not that high. Right. Look, but even the good the, colonel the, struggled, the right? Mr. Mr. Yes. I'm an active duty colonel in the army. He was like, man, this sucks. We got to stop. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's, dude, it, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's a fucking ball smoker, man. I mean, he, can, he's come from Korea too, where, you know, every, it's, it's uphill in every direction in Korea, you know, and, and he's just like, ah, oh, man. You know, it, it's it you you got to know where your limits are. You you really do, and you know you you have to know what you're capable of doing. And and look, we all need improvement. Um, all of it, like like everything. I need improvement. We all oh, need fuck improvement, yeah. man. And and what I was gonna say is, is um, you know, when when uh, Madman jumped in, what I was gonna say is, I've always really looked down on those guys who point out the flaws in other people like you know man it, and here's the thing i said this when, when i was talking about um you know i did the podcast on public perception and everything the other day and uh w- was talking about the guys at lobby day people were dogpiling on the fat dude that was out there i think that that's really fucked up all right um look that guy that the guy that was out there like there's bigger issues than that dude being fat okay you know, they they really needed to look more professional being out there and and it, it it's not wearing it, it's not the the it's not the presentation that they put on okay um there's a time and a place for that yes i sell as, as a guy who sells equipment and gear yeah hell yeah like there's there's a time and a place for that but but that right there really really wasn't winning anybody over um but here's the deal man 
the guy that, that that was the chunky dude out there, you know, the the big dude, he knows he's fat, man. Like you don't you don't need to be sitting there fucking making fun of him and like bullying him and shit. He knows that. All right. Yeah, I hope he was also and, out there. You know, he wasn't told sitting on his by couch. Somebody who claims he knows him. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the other thing too, man. Is is that you know he he is out there doing something. I think it's misguided, but I mean that's my opinion. Um, but he is doing something, man. His heart's at least in the right place, and and he's out there, and and he knows he's big, man. And I hope that that guy listens to this. I there's there's somebody that was talking to me that says that he knows the dude, and and they're going to get him on the right track. And I'm very glad to hear that. And and I want to invite those guys to a class. I, I hope that that you do come and train or train with somebody. You know, it ain't got to be me, but with somebody. But um, point is though, is is that. I've always really looked down on those guys, man, that, that are like, oh, that motherfucker, fuck him, he's fucking fat or whatever. Look, that dude knows that. Either he shows up and performs or he doesn't. And if he doesn't perform, then, okay, this ain't right for you. It's it's time to go to another team. It's kind of, it's, it's time to go to do something else. You know, it, it's – it's and, and that's okay. You know, that, that's all right. We'll we'll find out what where your best fit is, and 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 you can go do that. You know, it, Scott, it's, Scott, you always you, say you don't need to be. Uh, like you always say the only ten percent of the top that is that is doing the cool guy shit. The other ninety percent is support role in some way. So yeah. there's always a role for someone. It's, so it's you, just when you yeah. when, when when you when you go above board, you know, to to point out somebody else's flaws. It's to me that's just. I don't know. I think it's really caustic. Um, I get it. Like, man, I, I get it. it you can dog. And, and, and I see it that way too, of like people wanting to dogpile on that. Like, Oh, what the fuck? You know, man, I, I get that. I, I do. But at the same time, I, I, it's just me personally, my point of view, I've always looked at that as being caustic to, to an effective team. You pull that guy aside and you say, Hey man, you know, like, we got to get this straightened out, um, and here's how we're going to do it, and 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 you know we're going to do it together. And if not, then then here you got to go, man. Like that, that's that's all it is. And um, you know, but anyway, that's kind of my my personal soapbox, man. It's it's that's just the way that I saw. It. I, I saw a lot of people who who I respect, and I know why they were saying the stuff that they were saying, and and that's okay. Um, I'm, I'm not, don't, don't get a twist. I'm not, I'm not faulting them, but I'm just saying like, we all need to get better. Okay. You know, I'm not at my fighting weight. Yeah. I'll admit it, man. You know, and, and when, when you, you know, it is, it's just all kinds of shit. I mean, physical injuries and like excuses that you make and beds too comfy at night and like, you know, Wife making good food and all and and I mean, all right, you know. But but when it comes down, it, it, it's time to boogie, and it's looking like it is. I mean, this week has been a, a big wake up call. I can't imagine what what. And it's still the winter time. I can't imagine what the summertime gonna look like. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, it, it, it's the thing is, is that what y'all need to be working on right now, looking around is 
how to build up a team in the most positive way possible. I mean, one of the guys that, that was asking a question last night, um, uh, GWAT Tactapera, I think you, you, you may still be in here in the chat, bro. But uh, your question that you had last night about team building, I think was spot on, man. And I love questions like that um, because you, that that's where we need to be. You know, we, we, we need to be in a place where people are building a team up, where they're becoming more effective, where they're organizing. And there's, there's a right way and, and a really wrong way to do that. And uh, negative reinforcement. And isolating people and, you know, kind of making fun of them, castigating them. That ain't the way to do it, man. It's, it's honestly, it, that's, that's just not the way to do it. Um, it's, it's disappointing. To me, it's disappointing to see stuff like that. We should be building them dudes up, you know, and saying, hey, man, you know, like, like we got some stuff to work on together. We're going to work on it together. We're going to get better. And, 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 and then you do it, man. I think it's the best way to approach it is, is go and be like, hey, man, like, hey, look, I realize like this thing and, and that I'm dealing with, you're dealing with, too. Like, let's figure out a way to solve this together. Doing that, I, I agree with you. I, I know exactly what you're referring to, and it didn't sit well with me either. And it's our whole argument about them being out there is, is whatever. But at the same time, it's like here you have someone who is willing to put the time in instead of taking that attitude why don't we be constructive and redirect in a certain way and everyone has their own specialization i was just talking about it in the chat here on podbean is everyone has their own specialization like everyone likes to think all, all, all these people who don't really know what to talk about it's like i'm gonna be the cool guy like no probably not you're probably going to be doing something else and so i think it's really important for self-reflection of hey where can i improve in how i am and what my knowledge is and what my physical ability is and then kind of project myself and say all right well how can i best serve xyz and really cross train obviously so you have a little bit of experience and everything but looking at what you can do to help and sometimes people don't know that and they need help to understand hey you know what? Your role is going to be super important. It's going to be this. And it's not the coolest and sexiest thing in the world, but that's that's going to be where we need you. And you're going to be important because this reason. And I think that that's kind of getting at your point of dealing with, we're not dealing with, but talking with someone who doesn't fit a certain mold, but still has skills and that spirit, the spirit decor of, wanted to go in the same direction you are. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's what you're getting. Yeah, hundred <clears throat> percent. And I was just saying, uh, in the comments section, I, I was, I was typing up a little bit in there that, uh, GY attacked a pair is in there saying that, you know, this isn't the army or the Marine Corps anymore, you know, and you, you can't just like, smoke people, you know, and, and for the civilians out there, that means like, Hey, you know, drop, you're going to do push ups, or, you know, you do flutter kicks or whatever. Like you can't, you can't really do that, man, because people who are part of an organization voluntarily can just tell you fuck off. And there's really no, 
Like there's there's no consequences. But <clears throat> I was gonna say, and, and what I was saying there was that you know in, in the army that shit really didn't work either. You know, because the, the, the guys that you wanted to work for always there were in, in any unit, it, it doesn't matter where it is, man. Like the, the more elite units I was in, it was this way. When I was on the line, it was this way. Um, you always have those guys who you that everybody wants to work for. Like everybody respects him. He's a good dude. He never raises his voice. He's real laid back. Everything that, that he says that he needs to get done, everybody does it, you know, because they, they want to work for that guy. And when in, in that rare case that he does raise his voice and gets worked up about something, it really means something because that dude doesn't get pissed often, you know, and, and it's like, oh, shit, you know, why is so-and-so pissed off? You know, like something that's real bad. And so... Uh, you know, you, you want to work for that guy and it stings that much more when you let them down because you let them down, you know? And, and so, um, and, and it doesn't, it, it was not like, oh, that's just a, you know, he's just a candy ass or whatever. And he, he lets his Joes get, get away with stuff. No, it was that guy brought, brought the most on the leadership side to the team. It doesn't matter about what his rank is, by the way, because I've seen, you know, regular old bucks aren't that, that were the, the gravitas of a company. I've seen that, you know, and, and then, you know, on, on the, the other side, I've seen first sergeants who were just stellar, like just, just out in front. You wanted to work for them. They were incredible. And then I've seen first sergeants that, that were shit bags. That, you know, everybody was just like, man, I can't wait to get out of this company because this guy's a piece of shit, you know, um, for whatever reason. And and that is his what it is. It, But but you you want to be that guy. That's the guy that you want to be. And and that's the guy that that honestly, <clears throat> in a, a voluntary organization, that's the guy that you have to be out of necessity because people can just walk out on you. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it in other preparedness groups. I've seen it, um, you know, a, a group that I trained for, for several years on end. And, you know, the, the main guy that was putting everything together, you know, he, he started getting more and more autocratic and was yelling at his people and, you know, just like getting combative with him. And these are guys that he knew most of his life, by the way, too. Like these were his boys, man. They tailgated together. They, you know, they they went. They all went to to uh, the same college, which was a, a was a big university. We'll just leave it at that. Um, these, these were all his boys, man. They, they went to all the football games and all stuff. And and he's just being real, all uh, very overbearing and autocratic with them. And you know, it just. Nah, it, it and it ended up not working out. And every class that, that I went to, that I taught for them, their group was getting smaller and smaller and smaller until eventually it was just like five of them, you know. And and they started out with a huge group, and it was all because that one dude was just yelling at everybody, 
and they were like, man, why, why am I taking a, a weekend away from my family? You know, a weekend plus a couple days off work, get away from my family to be out here where it's, it's cold and like raining or hot or like whatever. And this dude's yelling at me. Like, nah, man, I, I ain't putting up with that. So it, it's, you know, anyway, we were going to talk about the 10th Amendment, but, <laughs> you know, hey, anyway. So, yeah, 10th yeah, Amendment, um, you know, rights reserved to the states. That That's the other part of the Militia Act of 1903 that's in conflict because it, 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 it it's a fundamental question. It's always been a question. Um can can an organization that belongs to the state be federalized and you know w- what is the legal basis the real legal basis under the constitution behind this it's it's it, it's it's kind of a muddy area right it's a muddy area so anyway um interesting stuff interesting times 5 minutes left guys what are your thoughts? Random thoughts? Anything? Everything? All the above? Get to class. Yeah. Boom. Anything else? I'll I'll say that if if there's a classic confrontation in the last fifty, sixty years of the Tenth Amendment at, at SCOTUS, it's going to be this one. But I, I agree with Dudley. I this is not going to last a legal system. If if it goes the way that I think it's going to go, um, which is not good, just keep your powder dry. That's really it. I, I don't know what else to say. I, I you know I've been paying attention to this fear for less than a lot of you, um, but for me since twenty. No, what, 15? No, 20, 2011, technically, 2015. This is the most nervous I've been because of the possibility of what happens from here. It all depends how delusional the current president is and how delusional the current people who actually control the president are. I don't know. Just make sure you're squared away with food, water, and, and ammo. And have that conversation with yourself as if shit goes sideways, what you're going to do. Because the time to have that conversation is not when it happens. It's now when you have the time to actually take stock of what you have. And that's all I'll say. Love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Hey, fuck it. I think at this point, the biggest thing you can do. Look, everyone's hurting right now. So if you're out getting your mail and you see someone else getting your mail, strike up a conversation and then don't be like two sentences in being like, hey, we're resisting the government. You know what I mean? Be like, hey, man, like, yeah, yeah, it's just more expensive. You know what I mean, like, don't, don't do that. But you get a sense of of how your neighbors are feeling. Everyone's feeling pain. So, 
try to do that. If, 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 if anything you're going to do right now, try to do that and, and figure out where your neighbor stands so you have some idea when it comes crashing down who you can trust. Well, not trust, but at least you've had some kind of mutual conversation before. I'd say that'd be the other important thing to do right now. Agreed. Agreed. You, you'll find out some things about your neighbors. You'll find out some things about your neighbors in, in, in good ways, in good ways. A lot of people think, you know, like, like <laughs> we're living in this world where everything is, you know, top down and people lock their doors and where we, you know, but that's all going to change, man. And, and there are some definite good things, great aspects to that, man. Um, you know, in the India hotel, uh, in the comments are saying your neighbor wears a mask outside. Your neighbor's probably not that cool. Just going to be honest. Your, your neighbor's probably not that cool, but you might have some other cool neighbors that you, you know, they, maybe they got a radio contra flag up in their, up in their garage, but they're hiding it, they're hiding it from the world. Maybe they got a, a shout out to our friends over at Wardall. Uh, maybe they got a, a a support your local insurgency flag. Hell yeah! Right? Another cool one, boy. Um, nah, love, love, love the guys over at at Wardall. Uh, so sh- completely unsolicited shout out to them. I just love what they do <clears throat> up there, um, kind of in the Canadian American wilderness area, kind of skirting the border back and forth. Uh, but, uh, no, nah, they, they got a lot of cool stuff, man. T-shirts are really cool over there and everything else. But, uh, anyway, speaking of cool things, there's a lot of other cool things over at brushbeater.store. Adding a bunch of stuff to the inventory. And um, anything that you see that is out of stock, I'm thinking the porta packs may go out of stock this weekend. Never to worry. We've got more coming in. The Malahite DSP2s may go out of stock. They've been selling pretty quick as well. That's all right. I got another order of those coming in as well as a lot of tactical gear that is on uh, the way as well as a full restock of thermal and night vision. We got it all and we're going to be adding more to the inventory as well. Brushbeater.store. Everything you need and a heck of a lot more stuff you didn't even know you needed, we got over there. All right. So it is growing by leaps and bounds, all because of you. With that said, folks, God bless. Stay safe. Put a premium on training, getting yourselves prepared, even if that is going out and walking a mile. That's something, right? One foot in front of the other. And as long as we are above ground, we are able to stay in the fight. God bless. I'll talk to all of you again very, very soon. This is NC